0: If you want to grab your Bibles, we're going to look at Philippians three. We're going to uh, keep our journey through Philippians, and this week and next week, um, because then when we're going to have a, the uh, mission team, sorry, we're going to have the Mark drama. We have a mission team coming and uh, a special guest preacher. But we you want to start thinking about citizenship. Um, it was one of those shocking moments when I was uh, hearing this week. Do you realise that up until 1949, there was no such thing as an Australian citizen? As in, Australians were British subjects. So, even up to 1969, Australian citizens were still officially British. Uh, it wasn't just terminology. If you lived at that time, you probably know uh, the, the 1960s, in many ways, Australian culture was simply an expression of British culture. So, you know, we're on the other side of the world but it was a bit of an outpost people would dress in suits to come to church even though that didn't really fit the weather and uh, we would have roast christmas lunches which i think is crazy because it's so hot at christmas time <laughs> um, it's a lovely feast and all but oh i hate being in the kitchen but that's how it was we were this outpost of britain and really philippi at the time of jesus was very similar So uh, we read Paul's letter to the Philippian church, he's writing to this city that is miles from Italy, but most Philippians would have thought of themselves as Romans, because to be born Philippian was to be born a Roman citizen, Uh, you ran your household like a Roman household, you worshipped the Roman gods, You, you lived in Greece, but your citizenship was in Rome. And Paul is clearly aware of this as he writes this letter. If you want to turn back with me, chapter 1, verse 27. I keep saying this is sort of the key verse um, about the the, the book. It it really summarizes the goal of chapters 2 and 3. Hear it again. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And we'll hear that that worthy conduct is about standing together for the gospel. But what we miss, and I haven't really brought out until now, the expression conduct yourselves is this Greek word politomi. So a politics is what we talk about nowadays, similar sort of root concept. You could translate the sentence as live as a citizen worthy of the gospel of Christ. It's all about citizenship. The Philippians knew how to polituomai. Here they were living in a Greek city, but they lived like Romans. They polituomied worthy of Rome. So what does it look like to polituomai worthy of the gospel? I reckon chapter 3 is our answer. Um, take a look. Turn back to chapter 3, look at verse 20. Paul says, But our citizenship... Is in heaven. I think this is the chapter for understanding how to live worthy of the gospel, how to live like you belong to heaven and not just on this earth. And and I think Paul does it by contrast with two other cultures you could choose to live as. First of all, uh, being a citizen of Israel and then being a citizen of the earth. I think that's how he unpacks it. So that's sort of the structure of my talk. How about I pray? And we'll unpack what it means to be a citizen of heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please help us as we work through this passage to get a clearer image of how we live in this world as citizens of another. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that in seeing it vividly, it will infiltrate how we live. It will affect our hearts. It will remind us of who we truly are. And then if we don't know ourselves as citizens of heaven, we'll see why we need to become one. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so first thing I think Paul says is that citizenship of heaven is not the same as being a citizen of Israel. Uh, the Philippians aren't to copy the Jews. And that would be a shock for the Philippians because, of course, Jesus was a Jew. Um, God's promises to save the world, they all came through the, the Jewish people. And it's quite clear, as you read the letter, that there are people in his day, in Paul's day... They seem to call themselves the circumcision, but they want the Philippians to live like Jews. And Paul is really strong in his language to say, stay away from them. Have a look at chapter 3, verse 1. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh the language there is about cutting off flesh rather than circumcising it's cutting around flesh that's a similar word but, but paul's point is these circumcisers don't go far enough they just cut off a tiny bit of flesh but to be saved by jesus you need to abandon your flesh entirely listen to verse 3 for it is we who are the circumcision we who serve god by his spirit who boast in christ jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh because it seems like the circumcision do boast in their flesh they boast in their achievements so they things they do in their body and paul says look if you want to play that game i can play it i can play it and i will play it bizarre and i will win because everything you've got i've got it more says paul so so you what lineage verse 4 Paul has got lineage, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Paul could boast in his DNA. Paul could boast in what his flesh has done, because he knows God's law, and as a Pharisee, he kept it meticulously. Keep reading. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. It feels good to be good, doesn't it? Feels good to be good. I have a non Christian friend, and she talks about people like us, by which she means people who set goals, people who live life with a purpose, not people who sit in front of a lounge all the time and don't try and improve themselves there are people who boast in their healthy lifestyle there's people who boast in their commitment to save the planet there's people who boast in their commitment to a local charity we don't have australians many many of them anyway boasting of their jewish heritage but but this whole concept of boasting about your flesh about the things you do it's so much a part of our culture in fact you don't even have to do something to feel proud in our culture. It's called virtue signalling. All you've got to do is find someone else to point out the wrong things they're doing, and you've got your status. If you, you, you can't build yourself up, you can at least push someone else down, can't you? The goal in our society is simply to stand taller than someone else, to be, to be proud of who you are. It's all boasting in the flesh, finding my status, my rightness in the things I do. And Paul's point is, that is dangerous. Because if you put your status, your rightness in what you have done, you are doing the complete opposite of what we saw Jesus do last week. Complete opposite of Jesus in chapter 2. The one who gave up his status came as a person to die for our sins. Listen to verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Christ Jesus, my Lord, my King. See, being a citizen of heaven means following Jesus, and so that means walking his path. In fact, it's more than that, isn't it? To be a citizen of heaven is to have him take my place. He was righteous because I was not. He died on the cross because I deserve the punishment. And so my proudful boasting needs to become his. And his humble glory he will give to me. I can have his righteousness by faith that's verse 8 i consider them garbage that i may gain christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which is through faith in christ the righteousness that comes from god on the basis of faith see it's faith not works It's Jesus' obedience, not my own. Every other religion says, do, this is what you must do. Only God says, done. Done for you in the cross of Jesus. So what is it that you do that makes you feel valuable? What are you tempted to find your worth in? Why is it you think you're worth loving? Or, If you don't think you're worth loving, what do you think you're missing? What do you think you need to do to be more valuable to other people? Because isn't that the same sort of logic? Where I put my confidence in my flesh or my lack of confidence in my flesh, when the reason to be confident, the reason to be loved, is that God sent his son for me. His son died on the cross to save me. He took on flesh like me to take my punishment and die in my place. And there is my value. Being a citizen of heaven is not like being a Jew in Paul's day. It's not finding identity in the things you do. Being a citizen of heaven means dying to self. It means what Jesus said, taking up your cross and following him. And so what we do is we rely on Jesus' resurrection power to equip us to to live a selfless life, to suffer, to give up ourselves so that we can share in his resurrection. Look at verse 10. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to, arriving at, the resurrection from the dead. The key thing I want you to take away from this passage is that you can't have both. It's like the dog that's holding the ball and wants to pick up the bone. You've got to let go of one to take up the other. That is the situation. You can't boast in your flesh and boast in Jesus and his righteousness. Citizenship of heaven is not like being a citizen of Israel. But further, citizenship of heaven is not like being a citizen of earth. Because in a sense, currently, we are. If you are a person who follows Jesus, you still live on earth. You, You still live in the flesh. But Paul emphasizes that you're a work in progress. There's a destination that has been set for you by Christ. And your journey is to move towards it. Christ has taken hold of you. Paul sort of has this picture of himself on the Damascus road and God stepped in. Jesus turned his life towards heaven. And there's every moment from then on, he has been striving towards something that God yanked him into. Look at verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all this or i have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that with which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So Paul compares it to running a race. See, a runner stands on the start line and she sees the track that she's got to run. She she sees the destination that she's to reach. And that defines her life for the next 5 seconds, 15 seconds, 5 minutes, 3 hours, however long the race, nothing else matters. That track, that journey defines her life. Keep reading. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul's life is a work in progress. But also notice it's not just Paul. This isn't the world of some super-Christian. This is every Christian's experience. Look at verse 15. All of us, then, who are mature, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Paul isn't some unique example. He is just a pattern for us to follow. Verse 17. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model... Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Because citizenship of heaven is different. Someone who is living for heaven stands out from the citizens of earth. They're not the same concerns. Just listen as we finish the chapter and then we'll reflect on it. For as I have told you before, and now tell you even with tears... See, it's interesting, isn't it? The circumcision boasts in the flesh, but the citizens of earth, they worship it. They worship. They live for pleasure. And, and we know this world, don't we? Because you just have to... The, 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 the goals of our world are played out on reality TV, aren't they? People live for fame, big brother. People live for money, survivor. People live for love, the bachelor. Or people live for food. Masterchef, chef and if there's one thing that reality tv shows time and again is that you can pursue it you can reach that goal you can have your moment of glory and it all gets forgotten it's all going away and you know all all the glory disappears the, the, the people become nobodies you can meet on the street and all that wonderful food let's be honest it just ends up in the toilet anyway doesn't it Citizens of heaven are not like citizens of earth. We have a different focus, a different goal. And so, friends, the question from today's passage is very simple. Where is your citizenship? It was only a few years ago where our parliament was in chaos because of people who had dual citizenship. It was a debacle. Many members weren't even aware that they were dual citizens but but all that nonsense and chaos uh, behind it was a very good law wasn't it uh, because you don't want people leading your nation with divided loyalty uh, it's dangerous you don't want a politician making decisions about national security who has their pocket being lined by another foreign nation and in the kingdom of heaven there is no such thing as dual citizenship there's no space for divided loyalty Look again at the end of verse 18. Citizens of earth live as enemies of the cross of Christ. So are you a citizen of heaven? We've got some some good touch points to check, haven't we, from this passage. So if your stomach is your God, then God is not your God. If pleasure dictates your priorities, there is no way you are going to suffer for God's kingdom. For that matter, you're not going to suffer for the person next to you. That's the problem. Our society has this move towards individualism, it's ultimately a move towards selfishness. Um, because why on earth would you want to live in a world where people just live for themselves? I don't get it. It's just a society that's going to be a bunch of people ignoring the needs of each other. And yet that is the great goal of our society, freedom to be individuals, to do what I want. Citizens of earth are enemies of the cross of Christ. But likewise, if you boast in your flesh, I mean, this is the real danger for people who are involved in church, religious people, if your pride, your self-worth, your identity comes from the things you do, I'm a good person, I go to church, I volunteer. Then your identity doesn't come from heaven either. This is a big danger, isn't it? We're not like the citizens of Israel, the circumcision. Are you a citizen of heaven? There's a really simple way to know, isn't there? Um, my brother-in-law, he's uh, born in India, and so yeah, you look at him, he doesn't look... Like what we call australian he looks very clearly indian um, his kids they look like they could come from india but see you only have to open up their passports to find out they are australian citizens and if listening this morning you, you think you look at your life and you say i'm not sure i look like a citizen of heaven the, the place to go to be certain isn't your your um life it's not how you look the place you've got to stop first is your passport And what you want to know is that your passport is marked with the blood of Jesus Christ. You need to have that stamp that says, debt paid by the cross of Jesus. Now you'll know if that's happened, you'll know if you're a citizen, because you'll have had a conversation with God about this. You'll know that time where you asked Jesus, you spoke with God, and you admitted that you're not a citizen of heaven, you don't deserve to be one. But you asked to become one. You asked him to forgive you, to end your enmity. And you trusted his word when he said that you are right by what Jesus has done and not by the things you do. That was your promise. And you live for it. So, I've got to say, if that's not you, if I've just talked about a conversation you have never had, then, look, stop listening to me. Um, it's time to start talking with God. Uh, I've got a few things more to say to other people, but that's all you need to hear. You need to have that conversation. You can just ignore anything else I say. Have that conversation with Jesus and then catch me afterwards. Tell me that you've had that conversation and we'll work out where to go next. Okay? But if your passport is stamped citizen of heaven, you've had that conversation with God, then I hope you hear the question of you this morning is, does your life look like it? Does it look like you are a citizen of heaven? Are you polituomying? Are you living worthy of the gospel? Do you live as a citizen of heaven or is your life still divided? It's time to stop, grow up, be mature as Paul says because the power of Jesus' resurrection is enough to teach you and enable you to suffer for his kingdom so that you can keep looking forward to his return how about i pray heavenly father we thank you for what jesus has done that we might be counted citizens of heaven thank you for his death on the cross that guarantees our welcome and thank you that knowing that destination we can run for that prize we can live now enjoying our citizenship learning to to give up ourselves for the sake of others just like our king has given up his self us. Please keep doing that work in our lives, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing.